There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1083. Thank you for listening. I hope you're safe and healthy out there. Um, we have just launched a the vintage shop over at ID10T.com months and months and months ago. Um, this was a thing you could still do in the first part of the year, we went to this like vintage warehouse and just, I pulled a bunch of shirts that <laughs> I, I wanted to own and, I'm like, and, and with the intent of uh, putting the ID10 t-shop because I buy, I like to buy vintage t-shirts um, and I, I just enjoy that process. I'm like, I really want to, I want to put some vintage shirts up on the site, stuff that I would want to own, but I, but other people should take them because uh, I have, I have enough shirts. So if you go to ID10T.com, uh, you will see, we do have a little vintage shop on there now and we've got one of a kind hand selected uh vintage pieces there and uh more to come so go check that out id10t.com I've, it's funny that i spelled that out like if you're listening to the podcast okay id what well it's the name of the podcast oh yeah that's right sorry I'm, um, I, I like to share, uh, extra information. Um, I'd like to blame it on the fact that I'm getting older, but I think that's just how I've always been. So it's probably just going to get way worse as I get older. I'm even doing it now, explaining about explaining too much. Um, but let's talk about you, the ID10T community corkboard events at ID10T.com. Like Tristan and Greg, who write, we've been listening to your show for a bloody long time. And about a year and a half ago, we started our own podcast called Double Impact, hosted by Tristan and Greg. Tristan and Greg are a couple of 90s kids on a mission to rewatch every classic movie from their childhood. Each week, they're going to pick apart a movie from the 80s or 90s. They're going to deconstruct it and basically see if it holds up today. Which movies hold up and which movies are just better left in the past? You can check out the show on Apple Podcasts and other podcast apps. Recent episodes, good entry points, they say, would be the Total Recall episode, the Office Space episode, and the Face Off episode. So, uh, yeah, great job, Tristan and Greg. And what a fun way to connect with, uh, with friends about old movies and, uh, and just rewatching stuff. I, I love the Does It Hold Up test. Um, so, great job to build a podcast around that. Um, this episode is Alana Ubach, who is hilarious and so quick and so funny, and she's an incredible actor, and she's been in so many things that I'm sure you've seen. I mean, let me just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list some of her filmography and stuff that you've seen. Uh, this is going back to the early 90s. Airborne Sister Act 2, The Brady Bunch movie, she was amazing in that, Freeway, uh, Clock Watchers, um, Legally Blonde, she was in Legally Blonde, Legally Blonde 2, it looks like there's a third one that she's also going to be in that, she was in Meet the Fockers, Herbie Fully Loaded, um, Still Waiting, Bad Teacher, uh, she was in Coco, she was in Bombshell, uh, and then on television, she's just guested on so many great television shows as well. 
Um, and I'm sure you've seen her in stuff and gone, oh my God, she's great. Well, she's phenomenal on this podcast. It's, it's one of those ones where that just, there's momentum from the second we start and it just carries all the way through. And, uh, it was, it's just, it was so much fun. Just so to give you a little backstory, this was one of the last podcasts that was recorded in person. We recorded this on Valentine's day. Um, and it was supposed to go up sooner, but then schedule shifted around and release dates of things shifted around. And so, uh, then we, we held it and now, uh, now we're able to finally release it. So, you know, when the quality sounds like, Oh, I think they're in the same room. We were in the same room, but this was when that was still allowed, uh, several months ago. So, um, Alana right now is in not only, uh, crossing swords, which is a show that's produced by Stupid Buddy, who does a Robot Chicken. That's on Hulu. She plays Queen Tulip. And she's also on Euphoria, which I think is, I'm pretty sure is coming back. I don't know where they are in the shooting process with that, if they figured out when, when, where, how they're going to shoot that. But there's that. And also, she's on a new Fox show called Filthy Rich, which was it just was announced is premiering September 21st. So, so many great things that you can see Alana Ubach on. And, um, uh, and yeah, let's just, let's just start the podcast. But thank you to Alana for being just a fantastic guest. This podcast was such a fun, fast-moving um, breath of fresh air. So let's start it. I'm doing the over-talking thing again, and now I'm talking about doing the over-talking thing. <laughs> I am so, I could edit this, but I'm not gonna. Uh, all right, this is the ID10T Podcast number 1083 with the amazing and wonderful Alana Ubach. Initiating ID10T Protocol. Not yet, not yet. You're, you're practicing. It's yeah. We're getting <laughs> well. We're getting a dog in a week, and then okay, and then you know we're sort of talking about maybe uh, anytime between now and the summer. Like we'll that that process might start. And it's funny because you know my wife is like, well, it could take years, and I go, the fact that you said that <laughs> means. Immediately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so that's, yeah, so that, that'll that happen. But, I mean, I hope it doesn't take too long because I'm already an old dad. Like, I don't want to be like a... Oh, I'm an old bitch, too. I want to... <laughs> I, got, I got pregnant. Um, I got pregnant when I was 41. Amazing. I mean, but... And Trump had been elected. The world was going to end. Right. That night when he got elected, I went over to my girlfriend's house and we were in Vancouver and I kid you not, she had like wild turkey out and we were going to town and having a good time. And then she looks at me and she's like, gosh, Alana, your, your boobs look fantastic. Did you get a boob job? And I said, no, I did. Oh my God. Oh my God. Could I be? And then immediately to the... London drugs, <laughs> peed on a stick. I was pregnant. Oh, and I thought, oh my God, I killed him. <laughs> the wild turkey. Yes, I was drinking a smoke. So I went to 
I immediately went and got checked out. Everything was fine. It was lovely. The HCG levels were doubling up, which is very important, ladies. And um, it was ironic because my husband and I had frozen embryos. We have five kids on ice. You want one? You want one? <laughs> don't be do little. A, do you want to do a giveaway? A we'll do a giveaway on the podcast. Hey, by the way, we're doing a giveaway for embryos. Alana Ubach and Thomas Russo. Um, he you, is, he, what role did Alana play in the Brady Bunch movie? If you know the answer to this, you, you get, get an They're right here on ice, like champagne, like like Don Perignon, baby. So, callers, we're waiting. Oh, I forgot we don't have callers. Oh, uh, we don't shit. Have callers. Oh well, well. You know what? In- Insta. Insta, Insta us. Yeah, Insta us. Uh, PM us your details. We'll send you the embryo. And we'll send you an embryo nice. We'll send you the embryo and some barbecue. Mm. Like, we'll send some bar- – you know how they pack stuff in, uh, yes. in dry ice? We'll send an embryo and some Memphis barbecue. Absolutely. And great. Well, yeah, because my my wife always – my <laughs> wife has a lot of friends who are, you know, like friends who are trying to get pregnant and they get stressed. And yeah. she's like, you, do, you just don't – don't – you just need to like not worry about that stuff and just be in love and have sex with your significant other and just let it let it be. It's Yeah, and it's so hard. And that helps. Obviously, it's not going to fix it every time, but it does – the relaxing helps. It, the relaxing really does help. And yes, I, I feel like we're all so pressured. It's, okay, okay, it's time. We need to have the, the you know, a baby and, and, and uh, let's let's go and get my, my eggs checked and your sperm count checked and all of this crazy stuff that people make so so much money on, but you and so I are in the wrong business. We should be in the fertility business. Baby. We should be Ooh. in the. I saw, you know, like I get a lot of weird um, uh, tech suggestions on Instagram. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, it, you might like these tech stories. And one, I believe, is a fertility clinic. I think in Korea, maybe. Oh wow! And they have basically made these Gangnam style. Well, it's, it looks like an ATM, but it is a different kind of deposit. And it basically is like uh, – the, the, the tech is like – it's like an actual vagina in a machine. Like it's not, a, it's not wow. real. But it's like they're trying to mimic it as much as possible to sort of eliminate the need for – you know, people to go in and uh, do their business do the in a tiny thing. little room, yeah, in a tiny with little a room. penthouse, with, yeah. <laughs> and, and, with an old magazine from 1992, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, and so yes. the fertility business is, and and even my wife is like, oh well, you should probably just go make sure that your you know your count is high. And I'm like, I don't think I can. I don't want to do know. that. Do you even? No, no, I don't. Because I, I had, I had, I had uh, two friends who went through. I think it was maybe two years of IVF, and it was incredibly taxing on Woo! them. And, the, and and it finally, it finally worked finally, out. Finally stuck. And okay. um, but uh, it just the 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 whole thing. It's it's like that. That's when you really realize, like, oh, this is clinical, and we're animals, and this is science. It's so ironic, by the way. We're actually recording this podcast on Valentine's Day. So that's very funny. There's love in the air. <laughs> There's love in the Freeze air. Fuck a robot, we can have a baby. Ow! But it's the uh, it's 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 that sort of like when you really when you really look at it clinically like that yeah. is like oh my god that's right we're just we're just creatures. But it's 2020. Yeah. 
<laughs> and ain't, ain't no looking back, honey. That, that's that's the way it goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It really is wild. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I need to know all that uh, information about about myself. So I'm just sort of hoping that it's. I'm hoping that it's something because you know Lydia's like, well, it could take a long time, and I'm like, well, because you said that, it'll probably happen immediately. Ah, a little clomid, yeah, a little yeah, cocktail. Yeah, it'll exactly. So it. Uh, but it, you know, if it does take a while, I am going to have to do that, and I just can't get around like. Did you? Did your husband talk about it? Like, would, did he sort of talk about the process of it? Was he, he was such an eye roller throughout the whole process because he thought he was like, "Oh my gosh, you're perfectly healthy. Why do we have to go to a fertility clinic?" Yeah. And I was just, I was afraid. I thought, "Oh, because of my age, maybe I should get checked out." This, right. that, and the other. And he said, "You know, I, I really think you'll be okay. What about Eastern medicine? Maybe a little bit of like acupuncture or something. Sure, sure. If you really want to get the ball rolling." And so, you know, I yeah, what your wife is, you know, I think what your wife and everyone is saying is just like it takes your body, you know, a while for it to say, "Oh, you want to be pregnant?" Right. Oh, I get it. Okay, right. okay, let, right. okay. Now, 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 I let's get the ball rolling. Well, it's because remember when I was growing up. And it was the, you know, I grew up in the, primarily in the 80s. I was a 70s baby, but I grew up in the 80s. Yeah. And that was very much the age, like, where condom awareness really took hold. Oh, yeah. Like, it just wasn't really anything that people talked about publicly before, and it was always... You know, like the the horror tales of being embarrassed oh, to buy condoms and stuff. And so, um, do you remember the the commercials? Herpes lasts forever. <laughs> do you remember that one? So does a diamond from Zales. So does it, and so. Does <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, but that's a weird thing to yeah. They and so I I you know and my my parents just like put the fear of God in me. They're yeah. like condoms, condom, con- whenever you go do this, condoms you don't want to. So I. I sort of grew up in such terror of getting someone pregnant, thinking like, well, this is going to happen. We'll just stand near each other. And then a baby just happened. Right. And and then, you know, as you start to get older, like you kind of find out like, oh, it's actually, it's actually kind of, it's, it's surprising almost. It's almost like the shot that Luke makes at the end of a new hope into the ventilation shaft. And so (laughs) it's like the timing has to be right. There's a window. The temperature has to be, you know, which is phenomenal to me. How, how we all exist. How many billions of people have you seen Hong Kong? When you go to Hong Kong, you're like, wow, that was a lot of having sex. There's a lot of people. There's a a lot of people getting horizontal and sexy. There's a billion people there. There's a billion people in India. There's 350 million people in America. Like it's people are. People have sex. They do. And we're a weird pyramid scheme. Yeah, they do. They do. Which is why it's sort of funny. Like when, when you like all the stresses that, you know, that I have that I'm sure people as they're trying to get pregnant have like, am I equipped to do this? Are we going to be able? And it's like, People are doing this for thousands of years with since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of time, I mean, so to speak. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's but it is it is really wild when you find out. Oh, you know, I was I was you know uh, conceived on prom night or right. something, and and it was a one night stand, right? Or whatever. That, those are some wild. Stories. It is funny that you know the date, though. It's funny that in your October head, October twenty seventh. <laughs> that's almost some Doc Brown sense. shit. That's some Doc Brown shit. October twenty seventh. October twenty seventh. And it was funny because I, when I would go and visit him when I was in Vancouver during during uh, uh, girlfriend's guy to divorce, yep. I would visit him on the weekend. So 
I, you know, I hadn't visited him since October 27th. A month had gone by and I was like, wait a second. When did we, how did we get sexy time? Right. And so you pinpointed it. It was right before Halloween. Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. (laughs) That's really nice. By the way, uh, Lisa Edelstein, phenomenal. Mm. Just phenomenal. Isn't she and and from quite a smart girlfriend's guide to divorce is what you're talking. Yeah, yes, yeah. and a great writer and a too. director. And she directs and everything. Yeah, yeah, yes. What are these chocolates here? For? I don't know, Deb. Did you bring these? Yeah, Debbie, is our, this for me? Debbie, the Booker of oh, our podcast. Can I have a chocolate? This is for you. I'm so excited <laughs> because my thank you, my, Deb. Thank oh, thank so you, much. Deb. Thank oh, you. These are gorgeous. Oh my God, I'm gonna tell her I got these. Oh, I mean, that's how nice these are. These I'm are gonna lie beautiful. to my wife and say, "Sweetheart, I picked these up for you on the way I home." I hope she doesn't listen to your damn show. No, I she don't think so. Yeah, but listen, by the time, yeah, that's true. You're really gonna have a totally problem. <laughs> <She's right>? not... <laughs> that's why she can't. Ooh. Oh, you gotta protect these, sweetheart. I know you want to kick them, but <laughs> but it's, we can't uh, we can't uh, cut off our nose to spite our face. Oh, that's delicious. This is really yeah these look these look amazing we thank you so them. much deb these are very sweet thank you deb um so it, and how how does it like do you how do you not feel anxious all the time cuz that's what i'm afraid of is like i heard a thud in the other room did the kid fall is everything okay what the fuck are, are they going to fall there is nothing more stressful than having to take care of something that small and yeah. that vulnerable yeah 24 hours a day <laughs> It is the worst. I'm not. I mean, I had. I'm not gonna kill. I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I think all the money I made from Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, I spent on like night doulas. Sure, sure, yeah, of course. Because um, when I don't get sleep, I start seeing things. Of course, it's like there's a coyote in the house. No, no Alana, just go to sleep. Take a nap. What is Los Angeles? We do have coyotes. Yeah, you, we you have, can have a coyote, there's in, the a coyote in the house. Yeah. So my um. Once he started walking, once they start walking, mm-hmm. then they're like basketballs. They can fall off the, you know, fall off the couch and, yeah. and they'll let you know when they're hungry right. and they give signs and everything. But, you know, it, it you, you just have to know that I don't know one adult that craps in his pants mm-hmm. and I don't know one adult that can't put a sentence together. So right. don't worry when they're not talking and they're not potty trained. Eventually they're going to figure it out, you guys. I always think that uh, raising a kid is sort of like being a, a personal assistant to kind of a douchey celebrity who oh, isn't paying you. Or that's like, exactly what it why, is. Don't, why, you wanted that. Why are you throwing that food? Oh, God, please don't shit in the plant. Whoa, are right. you drunk? You know, like it just feels like you're just nonstop like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, it's like you're, you're a zookeeper and a psychotherapist and a crisis manager yes. and a, all you, those you, things. You are, you are producing a huge studio blockbuster <laughs> and you've got a pain in the ass for the week. You got a number one that's just always late and wasted and, you know, bringing hookers around in the trailer. What? You just you got to do a lot of damage control. How many hookers has your baby brought home? Seven. Seven hookers. Seven. And it's, and, and that's, that's, that's not including the, never mind. Yeah, this is, this is where the riff goes sideways. But you, you, I remember you did At Midnight, I think at least once when we were doing that show at Comedy Central. Oh my God. Yes. It was so much fun. You yes, were, we did. You were great on it. I mean, like you, it's, it's so interesting. There are a lot of fans of that show. I wore that shirt that you gave. And, yes. And I got approached so many times oh, from people. Nice. Oh my God. That show was that. I mean, that was an amazing show. But it's funny to me that you don't. I mean, because you're 
your comic force is real strong. Oh, thanks. And it's funny to me that you never really did like stand, stand up, up stuff, or yeah. sketch or whatever. It's just, but I know you do a lot of voiceover, and I know, and voice voiceover is like, yeah. Th- there are so many amazing comedy people in voiceover because I think it's just the. It's it's the it's the kids who did a lot of voices in their rooms That's and me. did a lot of characters. I, I was a stuff. big crank caller when I was a little kid, and I play a lot of old ladies, and I play all these different people. And I was I was doing like the Jerky Boys before the Jerky Boys, right? Before they were making money off of it. And you know, I finally segued into it. And I thought, what a cool gig! You're in and out in an hour. It's during the day, mm-hmm. and I'm usually I peak at like two o'clock in the afternoon. That's when I'm like smart, and it lasts for about two hours, right. and then it goes away. But unfortunately, stand-up comedy is at night. Yeah. And you put in your name and you never know when you're going to get seen. Right. And I'm I'm such an, a dork. I go to sleep at like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, so do we. And, and I still do <laughs> You know, oh, God bless you, man. And I and I just know I would be such a raging alcoholic it if just, I was a, a stand-up. Yeah. If I was in stand-up. And I, you know, think, you know, I still audition. And a lot of the, you know, a, a lot of the stand-up comics are, you know, working during the week on mm-hmm. weeknights. So, you know, if I have an audition the next day, I'm going to be tired. I'm not going to do a good job. And that's, you know, that's where the money is. Of course. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. But so. You, uh, you, the crank calls was was there was there like one in particular? Did you was there like one was there one sort of ruse that was your favorite, or was it you you just was it like a constant stream of? It was it was always I, I watched Splash when I was a little girl, uh-huh. and there was this one saleswoman in uh, Bloomingdale's uh-huh. when Daryl Hannah goes in and gets really lost and decides to go shopping by herself and she can't talk right, right? because she's a freaking mermaid. mermaid she's a mermaid children for, for th- there was a, um, a movie 75 years ago so, called yeah, Splash back in the 1900s back in the Splash. 1900s when, when Tom Hanks was a like young Tom s- Hanks seven might have been his first movie it was his big big I mean that was like then you know why he's Tom Hanks buddies. yeah he yeah. did bosom but he did a sitcom yeah and then he went straight to like a Penny Marshall huge and hit. Splash did well and Splash was a huge yeah. hit that's yeah. why he's still around John Candy's in it Eugene Levy's in it yes yes so, John Candy yeah when he breaks out into his it, anyway so there was this this uh I digress. But there was this uh, saleswoman that she approaches, and the saleswoman, I watched that scene over and over and over again when I was a little kid. And it was, you know, oh, my God, darling, that outfit is to die from. And what happened? You see Annie Hall a hundred times? That look is over. You want to try that on? Who knows? Maybe it's you. It isn't me. I couldn't put one leg into there. And then she says something like, my daughter, on the other hand, is lucky. She's anorexic. (laughs) And I thought it was so funny. The way this woman, she just stole, she stole the show. And I kept repeating it over and over again. And I would be that woman making reservations wherever I could. I'd pull out the the yellow pages and I'd call like you know um, the black Angus. Is this the black Angus? Yes. yes. And I, my daughter, she's anorexic, but I'm not. I want. Can I order ahead of time? I mean, I just keep them going and going. Sure. And finally, they'd they'd hang up, you know, because it was the eighties and. People could be rude and tell people. And off. there was no caller ID. There was no caller ID, which was great. Do you remember emergency breakthroughs? You have an emergency breakthrough from Michelle. Loya? Yes, because of because there wasn't because people who there were people who did not have call waiting. Yes, my girlfriends did it all the time to me. My friends, when I was a kid, you have an emergency breakthrough from what? I mean, yeah, it was very easy to do out here to break. Yeah, because because the busy signal, which. 
Very <laughs> rarely, if you call up, it's like we 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 ordered. We were going to get pizza delivered last night. We called the restaurant, and the phone was busy. And I was like, what? I don't even know what to do with it. Busy? Oh my Who god! Fu- Someone died. Oh, I don't know what happened. They it's died. An apocalypse. All the lines are down. And it was like, no, they just got a lot of calls at the same time. Right, it's like, right, right. It's just what happens. But uh, so really, so that so that evolved into yeah. You definitely. Did you grow up out here? I was born and raised in Downey, man. Fantastic. Yeah, born and raised. My mom still lives in the house where I was born and raised. Oh, and that's nice. Yes, we we had um, the, it was it was very we were I grew up by around the corner from the Carpenters, Karen and Richard Carpenter, <gasps> just like me. On the day that. Oh, so I I love the I love the Carpenters music, unironic. Like I fucking love it. And oh, so far away. So beautiful. Such good. It's such good music. It's, it was amazing music. And her, her, uh, anyway, so her brother, she and her brother grew up on Lubeck. Okay. And I was on Lesterford. Okay. And we would go and uh, trick or treat over to their house and they gave out dollar bills, dude. You, <laughs> what? They gave out dollar bills. It was the 80s, man. And the economy was going strong. That is a crazy story. Yeah. You trick or treated at the carpenter's house. I'll tell you something, man. And they, I made like eight bucks that night because I would go dress as a ballerina and I'd go home and dress up as a witch and I'd come back and then I'd go dress as a baseball star and come back. Basically, you've just described what your career became. There you go. Just like running home to change for a dollar. Yeah, for a buck. <laughs> for a buck. For seven dollars. Oh, my God. And I, it, it was unbelievable, the fact that they would. And then the following year, they'd give big bar Snickers. Oh, yeah. Big bar Snicker bars. Yep. Not the tiny little fun size ones. No, no, you got to give out full size. We give out full size too. You give out full yes. size. Yes. Wow. Yes. God. I mean, it's Pre-taxes. just taxes. It just. Fe- <laughs> it's a write off. It's, it's a write off. All a write off. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it, it. But so your career has been because you were pretty much a scene stealer in Brady Bunch movie. Oh, bless you. And you didn't even have many lines, but it was all of the. It was just that subtext of the, the the stuff with Marcia that was so well played. You know, she it, it was it was really funny. I was doing a, a, a play in New York, and it was Kinder Transport, and I had this very odd Anne Frank haircut. Uh huh. So they dyed my hair very dark black, and I had these really ridiculous crooked bangs and a and a um, and a bob because that was the that was the style back then. That was the in, style in, in Germany pre World War Two. <laughs> that was the style. So when I walked into the audition, they were like. Who the hell is this weird looking chick with this hairdo? And and I walked in sort of romanticizing yeah. and idolizing um, you know, uh the, the beautiful uh Christine Taylor. And uh and I think that that really helped. Yeah. It really helped. I haven't the seen haircut. Like that is still one of the that's that movie is still the best adaptation of anything because it Betty Thomas is a rock star. Yeah, I mean, just the she's a rock star. The, they they could have tried to make another, you know, like just another straight ahead. Oh, it's a Brady. Like they could have well, tried sure. to play it straight. And because yet, a lot of the times they're they're, they're like uh, every every scene to me every every frame is is 
at times, you know, in, in these sort of sticky, tongue-in-cheek movies, yeah. it's just one billboard after another frame after another frame of right. just an advertisement of that yeah. brand. Yeah. And you kind of, you're exhausted. You're like, come on, make, make me laugh. Make me laugh. Right. So everything was a wink. It was great. Yeah, but thank God they realized, like, oh, the point to make this movie is – the reason to make this movie is to basically have a conversation with the audience of, like – we also noticed a lot of the weird things that you noticed when yes, you watched yes, the show yes, in syndication yes, yes. a thousand times. Yes. And it really was like a fan <laughs> letter to to those of us who grew up watching that show like oh, yeah. after school or, you know, whatever when it would come on in syndication. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very, very wild. I remember Imogene Coca. Remember yes. Remember like the wild age Yes. With Wonderlust. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. The whole thing, the whole thing was great. And it, and, but... Initially, I was asking you about comedy, and so how how have you sort of found like what has the comedy track been like? Do you because you obviously well, as a child actor when you start out you're doing mostly comedy, right? It's it you're no I mean you're if you're lucky you end up like a Dana Hill or a Quinn Cummings mm-hmm. who did the Goodbye Girl, right? She was lucky enough to get the Goodbye Girl, or to or or uh, Drew Barrymore who mm-hmm. was doing you know. Firestarter and E.T. and all right. these emotional films. But m- the majority of things that I went out on that I was right for was television. Mm-hmm. So from the time I was 13, I was going out on pilot after pilot after pilot. And what what do you do when you're a kid in the 80s? It's all about comedy. It's all about sitcoms. Yeah. So that's basically how I just sort of fell into it. I mean, my, my big I came from the theater, technically, and, um, you know, I was in L.A. I, I was in New York, and I did a couple of shows out there. And for me, it just sort of clicked. It seemed like there was a rhythm to comedy that I really um, uh, uh, responded to. And, uh, you know, I started out as a dancer. So that that rhythm to it was so fulfilling to me. Yeah. And, you know, there it, it took much more. I, I, it was harder for me to do drama. It was, and I think a lot of it had to do with ADD sure. and really having to be okay in my own skin and comfortable in my own skin. Well, playing in the beats of a drama is like it's, with comedy. There's like a real there. There's a there's a definitive like yes. beat. To and if it. you're a bundle of nerves like <laughs> I am, you can hide your anxiety just behind comedy. It, just tuck it in there always. But in the '80s, in a in a pre-reality mm. docu-series world. Sitcoms were fucking huge, and I'm even trying to think now. That's where the money was. Yeah, and that's why my child agent uh, Natalie Rawson sent me out on those um, those pilots because she would make money off of that. She didn't make money off of sending me to like do regional theater or, or sure. to the La Jolla Playhouse or Pasadena Playhouse. Yeah. That's that's not where the money was. So that's why she would send me out on those things. And so I eventually just, you know, I thought, oh, I'm making a lot of people laugh. This is this is a very heady experience for me. And I was 13, 14. When you're making a room full of adults laugh, there's nothing like it. Because when you walk in and you do a, a really dramatic scene, you'll kind of get a head tilt from someone. Yeah. But that wasn't enough for me. Right, right, I right. Wanted, I wanted a party. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, know? you know, like it's it's it's... I feel like it's harder to make someone laugh than it is to bum them out. You know, it's like oh sure, every, everyone's got <laughs> sad stuff in their everyone's got sad stuff in their life, and all you right. need to do is just say like, 
oh, you know, we lost our dog. Oh, my God, I lost my dog. You know, but with comedy to hit the beats of it and to actually make someone laugh. And especially in a room, in in an audition situation where they are seeing person after person after person after person. And some of them just feel dead inside. Mm -hmm. uh, To still be able to do that, to come in and surprise. Because, you know, you would always have to remember, like, the casting director wants you to do well because if you do well, that makes them look good because they brought you into the producers. Of course. Makes their job easy. Yeah. So they want you to do well, but you know, a lot of times I feel like you'd go into these rooms and just be like, did everyone just not want to come in today? You know, it's like, I'll never forget. I was at an audition one time. I swear to God this happened. <laughs> it was raining mm-hmm. and it was over at Warner Brothers and uh, a, um, uh, a casting director who shall remain nameless. Poor thing. She brought me in, and it was raining outside, and I had to walk to this to this damn audition, and it was for some pilot, and there was this very hot girl who was the lead of this new sitcom that was about to come on, and I was trying out for her best friend. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, and I sat down with her, and I read my, my soggy sides because <laughs> of the rain, so I was reading the soggy sides. And it wasn't a great read, right? And I was kind of frustrated. And the casting director sort of went, okay, thanks. And the actress who was across from me was like, ooh. Like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, no. And the producers were sort of sitting there. And I swear to God, man, I got up and I went, fuck you. No. <laughs> and I ran out. And that casting director hasn't seen me since. Well, uh, yeah. Wait, but people didn't get to see you flip the double birds. I went, and fuck you! Yeah. <laughs> I was so fed up. I was like maybe twenty-two. That was your network moment. Oh, I'm mad as hell. I was so pissed off, and it's so funny because my manager, God bless her, she's been with me. She has been with my ass since I was 15. That's not where I was expecting that to go. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like, and then I went outside. No. And a moment. No, <laughs> I had to get it out. I had to get it out. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> I had to. I had to. Is this okay? Is this our way? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, did. Never, I got really fucking pissed off, man, because I'll tell it. you something. <laughs> You know, you go and you memorize all those damn lines and you're tired and you're looking for parking and you walk all the way down these freaking studios that are, it's so confusing to find And you place. feel like cattle because there's 20 other people there. 20 other people in the, in You know, there. you can hear everyone in the room. You and can it's- hear everyone getting laughs and then you walk in and no one laughs. And then the, the, the actress reading with you who's probably making a hundred grand in about a couple of weeks has yeah. the audacity to say Ooh. that was that's really rude yeah because even if, if it doesn't go well all you have to do is just wait 30 seconds for someone to get out of the room and let them leave gracefully Absolutely. you know like there's no there's thank, no thank you so much yeah you know whatever thank you but it it was it just it wasn't <laughs> did your manager call and go so no what? not no, this is what's so funny they didn't say anything to her they never called her but they never called her back anytime she pitched me for something. So she's like, you know, Alana, I'm having a hell of a time pitching you oh, for roles at this casting oh, office. I was like, so curious. Margaret, I got, I got to be real with you right now. She's like, what's going on? I was like, you're not going to believe what I did. She's like, and I love her. She's so freaking cool. She's just, she's just always has my back. She was like, well, you probably had to do that. <laughs> you know what, Alana? Moving on. Moving on. She held high. And that is why I will never, ever not be with Margaret. Did, did you? <laughs> Margaret Pollock. I need to know if, 
did you see their facial reactions? Oh, oh did the casting woman, did the casting director went, Fucking is amazing. I bolted. I was so scared. I was like, what did I do? Oh, my God. I said, fuck yeah. I was so mad. Anyway, but the cast yeah. director literally, Have you oh, ever no. seen this actress again? I have ran into her a couple of times, and I don't think she remembers. Oh. It was like 10 years later. Okay. And we met somewhere, actually at like a comedy club or something and backstage. Were you, were you kind of thinking like, oh boy, she's gonna, is she going to remember this? You know, it's so funny. I, I had completely forgotten about it. Sure. And then I met her, and because she... She started out as such a such, sort of an unknown, and now is so famous. Yeah, that when I saw her, I I, I saw her as the famous person. I forgot about her oh, in the right. room. I was right. like, oh my god, you're the one I said fuck you do. Yeah, but um, <laughs> does this ring a bell? This fuck you! <laughs> oh my god, yes it does. <laughs> but Ooh. there you are. Ooh. 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 Ew. Yeah. Well, listen. <laughs> you know what? You know, people got away with a lot of crap in the '90s. <laughs> the stuff that people got away with. In you know, because I, I think it, it was it was the time of grunge and people really starting to like stick it to the man. Yeah. And so I guess having that you know, that influence in my late teens, yeah, it made my my twenties unbearable practically. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I was always trying to stick it to the man. Right. And it felt so good walking down that studio in the rain. After I had done that, I was like, I'll probably get blackballed. I'll never work again. I don't care. <laughs> it was one of those moments. I, listen, I have to say good for you Thanks, because Thank you. that is uh, – I mean, I – if I had – well, that's just not something I would have Well, had you don't have anger do. problems. Like <laughs> I, do. I mean, you're, you're a healthy, good man. You've got – you've got – you know, I mean, I've got anger issues. I'm not going to lie. i got a temper. That's so funny because my reaction, if – if that had happened to me, they had gone, ooh, I would have been like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so what sorry. did I do? Uh, please, I, yeah. I, listen, I, you know, I, I was up late. I, I have insomnia. I don't know what happened. You know, I would have been so apologetic. <laughs> I just I- <laughs> This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Do you have oh, older that is. Do you have older siblings? No, well, I have a half-brother who's older, but we didn't grow up together. Okay. So I, it, I was an only child, basically. I mean, I was, I was a kid with a sister who was 11 years older than me. Okay. And so I wanted to be her so badly. Mm-hmm. So all I wanted to do was be, I, I just wanted to be older right. when I was younger. Right. And, um, you know, it, she, she was listening to like Iggy pop and, you know, uh, the pretenders precious when I was a kid on an eight track and I was listening to that over and over again. Yeah. I mean, my mom and dad had the most foul mouths ever. Oh, fantastic. It was an emotional war zone when I was growing up. They were always fighting and stuff like that. But, you know, it gives you <laughs> Not character. as fantastic. Yeah, there you go. But, it, you know, it, it, it builds a lot of character sure. with all those crazy influences. But at the same time, it can get you into trouble. Well, yes, but, you know, for when you're going in to read for something, you're in a very vulnerable situation. Because our, our business relies on the fact that you have to figure out how to be in, somewhat impervious Private to and rejection. Yeah. And, and, and you just – it is – it just plays on every insecurity that you would have as a person. You know, it's just like – uh, your personality, like whatever insecurities you have about your personality and your body and your looks and your this. And Brother, your- let me tell you something. Acting's harder. Uh, performing is harder than playing the fiddle if it's done correctly. And <laughs> no one gets that. No one gets that, man. It is hard. It's jazz. So to jab at someone at a very vulnerable time when they're clearly – and also like – you know, like you need to be employed. You need money. It's a job. You know, it's like I- I'm so happy that you. T- <laughs> so hey, I did it for everyone, man. I did it for you. Yeah, I did it for you. That's you're sort of I like for the normal ray of acting. You know, it's like you're Sally Field being carried out on everyone's shoulders. You know, like you started. Man, the, you're gonna take that shit anymore. You know, if if money was no object, I would love to produce all of my own things because I know what actors go through, and I would just love to just bring them in one time they just they can bring come in one time or they can send a tape it's okay right, and right. we hire them right off of that yeah i don't have to know if they're you know have a good personality or not right. just do they show up on time right are they drug free great yeah okay or at least not when they're working yeah and uh, and that's it but you know i came i came from that i've been doing this for so many decades that now with everything going on and it's it's fascinating how careful people are nowadays sure. and and how sensitive people are sure. to things that god forbid if i were to have done that now oh yeah you, you. i'd be in bellevue baby <laughs> or did bellevue go in chapter 11 I'd, I'd be somewhere in some clinic somewhere yes yes you'd be you'd be shipped off i'd be shipped off but that's what's so interesting that's so interesting about uh about voiceover to me is that it it's it removes a lot of that process because it it really is just performance alone because it doesn't matter how you look next to the co-star. No. It doesn't matter how There's tall a, you such are. such a beauty to that. It such doesn't a beauty. matter what you're wearing. No. You, all you have to do is nail the performance. And, that is true. And that is what I love about voiceover. And I, I don't think I realized until uh, – Today, because I, because you have a million and a half credits, and I'm like, I need, I need to see everything. I see yes to everything. Now, out of those million, I got paid on three, three of those projects. I got paid to do. But you were in a Pixar movie. Yes, Coco. You were, you were, you were Imelda. Yes, you were Mama Imelda, and I didn't know that until then. I was like, holy shit! And it's the actors who. 
who disappear into the role. You can't that that's voiceover to me is oh, thank you. You, you don't you can't identify who it is. I mean, there are sometimes so like gratifying. Like I know like there's some guys I know really well. Like I know Maurice LaMarche, so I know if Maurice like if I hear like um like uh uh a um Oh, what's his name? Norson Wells. I know it's probably Maurice. Like, I, there are some people yeah. that I know. Oh, of course. But uh, but I didn't know you you did that. And then and then I started reading about your background. I'm like, oh my god, she's half Puerto Rican and half Mexican, and she has this really interesting. Like, it, I just I guess I just thought Ubach was German. It is German. We don't know how the hell we got that. <laughs> so you have name. a German name and you're half Puerto Rican and half Mexican. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you something. It's funny. A lot of people don't know this, but um, when my when my father passed away. I was, I was, uh, it my, I, you, we used to pronounce it Uback, mm-hmm. and he was pronouncing it improperly from the time, you know what I mean? So Uback isn't even the right way to say it. Yeah. Finally, Facebook came around, and I found other Ubacks. Yeah. And they were all in Spain. What? Yes. So they, I think they changed their name to Anglinize, or is that such a word? To, sure. To, to Germanize. Oh, their to Germanize their names. Or the war. Oh. And I think they were Spanish Jews. Oh, so they my they they gosh. changed their name to make it sound German. What was the original name? I'm assuming it must have been something very either Catalan or, or, or something that was Barcelonian or something. Sure. But all of my grandparents were from Malaga, so they they all changed. I found this through Facebook that the the name was changed. It was changed to sound German so that you know they were Spanish Jews and they wouldn't be effed with. Oh my god, that's, that's what incredible. happened. So that's why my name is German, but I'm not. No. <laughs> Which is so weird. <laughs> the things people do to survive, right? Yeah, that's incredible. You know what they should have said? Fuck you to the Germans. <laughs> if it had been I'm you. Changing, if it had been I'm you. I'm keeping my last name. Oh! <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh! Come on, let's get on this boat. But that, that movie is like, you know, every Pixar movie that comes along, I'm like, all right, Pixar, you're not going to fucking get me again. Oh, and then right, you get into it. Unbelievable. Coco is such a... Oh, it's such a beautiful story. It, 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 damn it. it. It really is about familia and the importance of never forgetting yes. the past, oh, right? God. Never forgetting. And people, if they don't have the picture, they feel, no one remembers yeah, you. you know. Oh, God <laughs> damn it. It just <laughs> fucking you. kills you. Yeah. It just kills it, you. It is It is really, to me, I thought, wow, this, this is, you know, when you're putting it together, you really don't know what it's going to look like in its entirety. You don't know how it's going to work. Yeah. But when they kept calling me back to redo scenes because they couldn't hear some kind of emotional inflection. I thought, yeah. oh, this is this is going to be serious. Right. This is when you knew. And meeting Lee Ankrik, who is you know basically the the, the brains, he and uh, Darla and yeah. um, um, Adrian are all the the brains behind this the, the whole um, Coco phenomenon is. When you meet them in person, you're like, okay, this is going to be really good mm-hmm. because they just seemed very detail oriented and very emotionally invested in what they were talking about. Right. So when they came, a lot of we have the, the the figures in the other room. Do you want to go and see them? And you know, and you you see the evolution and their excitement and enthusiasm. You're like, oh, this is infectious. How how could this not? be a masterpiece with yeah. these people behind it. And it's just stunning to look at too. Oh, like the like yeah. the land of the dead and the spirit animal like it's, <clears throat> it's Have you been to Pixar? Have you been to the headquarters? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I've stood outside the big lamp. Right, there you go. And I, you know, like I I I I bought everything I could buy at the Pixar Studio store. Yeah. Like I need this forever. And uh but it really, you know, that that movie 
is just such a it's just such a simple beautiful story and my favorite thing about <clears throat> I, I've done a lot of voiceover my favorite thing about it is yeah. you know you come in and you you know you give the performance you give a performance and they direct you or whatever and then there's a real relationship between you and the director and the artist because right. they will f- they can find things in your performance. They go, oh, and then they start to animate a little bit around your performance and then bring you back in for ADR and go, now if you can just kick it a little bit in this direction. And so you really form a relationship with the artists that is really fun. You you kind of find the stuff together. Yeah. And I love that you're about, in a lab. about it. Yeah, you're yeah, you a, are. But you're, you're all working thinkers, together. You're all working together. It's it it is a lab. I mean, and and it's a lot of trial and error and um a lot of rushing because the little boy who was cast as as uh, Miguel um was going through puberty. Oh so yeah, we, sure. We had to move. Yeah. Because his voice was going to change and he yes. had such a beautiful young youthful voice. Mama Imelda, Mama I <laughs> want to be a musician. Oh, <laughs> ah, cut. All right. Yeah, I don't know this is going to Okay, you're on your own. <laughs> but um yeah, it, it, it is really amazing. We pre- we performed Coco live at the Hollywood Bowl <gasps> just recently. That was insane. I didn't know that. Yeah. So did you, was it just like, did, were they showing anything or you just did a stage reading with an orchestra? They show the entire movie, but then they stop it in between and then you you actually do performances of the music that's in the movie. Holy shit. It's fantastic. It was one of the, one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would imagine. Oh my gosh. And so uh, do you, like... Do you, are you a Disney fan at all? Do you? I, you know, I, I grew up in Downey, which is right around the corner from right. Anaheim. Yeah. So we were always going to Disneyland. And my yeah. best friend was Peter Pan and the Parade. Amazing. Yeah. Jesse Morales. And he was. It'd be um, funny if he was still doing Peter Pan. Because he's, he's still, a boy. He's still a boy. He's still he's, a little boy. He, he never grows up. He never, he can't grow up. Um, and he, uh, he, yeah, he was always in the parade. So I would go and take pictures. My dad got me this vintage um camera one time for Christmas and uh, the next day I went to to Disneyland and called Jesse and I said, are you going to be the parade? He was like, yeah. And I took all these really cool black and whites of... So I'd go there every weekend and, and take pictures and he'd sneak me in for free. It was great. Did we ever meet in the 90s? Because I feel, Maybe. I feel like our circles were pretty close. Okay. A lot of the same people. We may have dated the same people or <laughs> I don't know. Whatever whatever floats your boat. Hey, come on. I'm not, I'm not here to judge. You know what I'm saying? I, uh... Seth Green. Yeah, that's it. Yes. The, the Seths and the Breckens of the world. He and I dated when we were puppies. Oh, that's adorable. I think I knew that, actually, now yes. that you say that. Yeah. Yeah, because I knew that group because I dated a girl named Lisa Raphael. Oh, Lisa, yes. Yeah. What a looker. And, boy, well, oh boy. You scored a, there, man. Well, she's a, like, she ended up... Uh, Killing Lola. Yeah, starting yeah, a band. Lola, yeah. And she's fucking great. <laughs> Like, her music is great. She's phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. Like, she, her stage presence was really, I mean, like, we, yeah. I think we did a, I think I did a show with them, um, oh, wow, maybe back in 2003 or four or yeah, something. Yeah, and She just, like, blew the doors off the place. But, uh, so that was my connection to that group. And I, I still see Seth, all the, Seth and Claire all the time. That's amazing. And so it's still, it's, it's fun to have watched everyone sort of grow up, because there was that sort of. There was that valley contingency yes. of kids who would always, like, you'd be at Jerry's Deli at yeah. 3 o'clock in the morning because when you're 19, there's no other place That's to go. That's where you went, yeah. Yeah, so. There was, um, yeah, I, I had done a movie called Airborne when I was a little girl. I was, like, 16, and Seth Green was in it. 
and um and he and I started dating and then he met Brecken Meyer who was always hanging out with us and they they were they were best friends I yeah. mean you know and Brecken and I um he you know when he was he was so they were just so funny and so intense and so smart everyone in that group with like lisa was hysterical unbelievable like I, so funny like everyone was so funny in that group yeah it, it was it, i mean they were so talented i knew there wasn't a doubt in my mind that they weren't going to be these successful men mm-hmm. you know it, it was it was just they always had me cracking up and and their the embarrassment chip was missing in their brains and i thought that they're, <laughs> i mean the, the possibilities are endless with these kids yeah right? and um and then uh, we all sort of went off on our own way because life happens and, yep. and now i'm going to be on um this new show that uh, i don't know if i could talk about it. I, I guess i can crossing swords on hulu oh amazing oh yeah it's this new show um, that Seth is producing. Yep. And I have not seen him, but I have gone to his headquarters mm-hmm. to film or to do the voiceover. Yep. As the queen, the wicked queen. Yeah, that's in Burbank where they do, uh, yeah. where they do uh, Robot Chicken. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, still, yeah. Still great. Still all great people, you know? Like yeah, it, for sure. It, it just, it's fun Kinda to... Kind of doing what they love. Yes. And it's kind of fun to watch people, like, survive the business. Jesus Because Lord. it's got to be hard. You know, like, kid actors... You know, that, that, that Oakwood cluster, you oh. know, like all those kids who lived it because... So depressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so hard to... It, it, there's a lot to navigate, you know, like uh, parental pressure, the sort of weird, you know, it's like... Of it's, course. It's hard enough to grow up as it is. Did you see Honey Boy? I haven't seen it yet. What? Same kind of is oh, it the, it, well, the same it, kind of it's, story? It's Shia LaBeouf explaining why he's so effed up, and he right. says the reason why... I have anger issues and this, that, and the other is because I had a dad who I was supporting in a par- po- and lived in a hotel and I was doing these huge movies. I was a kid actor. Yeah. And it shows the trials and tribulations of being a kid actor in L.A. It's crazy. But I know exactly what you're talking about. The damn Oakwoods. Yeah. Where Jennifer Love Hewitt was out with her mom for a while and all those kids, you know? Yeah, I think. What, the pressure. Wasn't there a documentary? I feel like yeah. the, there was a documentary there was? about the Oakwoods. Yeah. Really? About the Oakwood apartments. That's yeah. fascinating. Because it. it you know, at one time it was like DiCaprio and, yeah. you know, it's like all these who was who was a part of that part of that group. There was a, yeah. there there was a there was a group that was like Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire, Toby Maguire and, and, and um, all uh, these other kids like th- three or four. Uh, Jay Ferguson. Yes, like, Jay Ferguson. Like yes. Th- two, two or three or four other people. That's right. And Bo, Bo Jesse Christopher. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And all they, those they were just like and I remember I remember them as just like these like, you know, we were all just snotty teenagers. A bunch of energetic kids that were um, yeah, that were Taft Heartlead with just a twinkle <laughs> in their eye. And it's, it's, it's fascinating. I think what happens is, you know, knowing that it's going to come to an end, knowing that being a child actor is going to come in, to an end and then you have to start again as an adult yeah. is a really wild thing. And I feel like I, I had to start all over again. And I, But I was very hyper aware of that. Yeah. And, know, and knew that, you know, I, I looked 35 when I was 17. <laughs> so I knew that nothing was really going to happen. Yeah. For me, career-wise, really going to be where I could actually make a, a living off of it mm-hmm. until I was about 35. Oh, I was wow. so well aware of that. You knew that when you were a kid. I had a feeling, yeah, because it, it was just it. My voice was was lower. I, I sounded older. Mm-hmm. I I um, you know, I didn't roll like like 
the number one bubbly teeny bopper. I just didn't roll that way. I was a little weirder and darker. So I just thought, okay, I think I think what's going to happen is I'll probably end up a character actor. But 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 your career, <clears throat> first of all, which I think is the fucking best thing to be in super the fun. But if you saw what I netted yearly, you'd be like, maybe not, maybe not a lot of. Maybe you need to start writing and producing your own shit. <laughs> I just mean that it. I, I feel like there's a certain protection that character actors have because you. Well, I can age properly. I, I don't. I don't have to get a big old facelift. You, Although you know, Joan Rivers is fabulous. <laughs> She's fabulous. She's fabulous. fabulous. But but <laughs> I, I I also think that um, that career path is a good one because what inevitably will happen is inevitably you're going to be in some movie mm. something and it's going to fucking blow up and then people are going to be like oh that's right this is the woman who has done like you have such a foundation an easter egg game it is an easter egg game sure, it's sure, like sure. oh when she did this and she was the voice of this and holy shit that's right she was in this and this and this and i feel like that creates the the longevity because you have such a foundation of great work that it's so much better I think than just being like an overnight success where oh, where cuz cuz then every then Which it's is, like there's no such thing every right. kind of project sort of like so take splash example the, sure. t- the Tom Hanks Tom Hanks always had this had this theory that you know, you were given like one movie, you know, and if that movie did well, you would get three more. And if any of those did well, you would get three more. But if the first movie didn't do well, it was unlikely that it would happen again. Or if any of the next three didn't do well. Yeah. And so when you only kind of have one project that you're living or dying by, right. I feel like it can be harder to sustain because then you can just kind of get written off. But to ha- just have you know, all of the stuff that you've worked well, on. Yeah. I, well, thank you it's so much. I mean, y- you get it. It's it, to me, it's very much my, my husband is a music producer and we, we were talking about how um, he calls me the drummer. Uh-huh. He's just like, you're a studio drummer. Alana. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you mean by that? He was like, well, you're Ringo. He said, because it's, you know, Ringo never got into the drama of the Beatles or any of the, he, but he just, but he was always there. Mm-hmm. And to me, to be the drummer of a band rather than the front man is so much safer because if a record doesn't do well, it's not on you. Right. You know, it's not if a if a movie doesn't do well, it is not on you. You will always have another gig. By the way, you also yeah. get generally the best scenes. You get to come in like, you know, Brady Bunch movie, you are so memorable in that just for for the coolest you know, it's like and the movie doesn't live or die by you and but yet people go, Oh, you know, usually when you're like the you know, you got to carry a movie or whatever. Then you get blamed. Like if it doesn't do oh well, my they, get, God. they get blamed. But, or you yeah. just get to come in and go, "Hey, we didn't like that." But boy, this this one girl who was in there was so funny. You just get to you get to shine. Well, it, it, it's a lot of fun. And bless you for saying that. You know, uh, uh, Bombshell, yeah. which was a movie that I, I did uh, yeah, yeah, play yes. Janine Pirro. <laughs> yes. When I saw Charlize Theron in makeup, she was there for hours. Getting those prosthetics put on her face. Yeah. The patience that it took for her to do this, plus produce, yeah. plus put everything together, yeah. plus do a great performance. I thought, oh my God, this whole movie is on her mm-hmm. and and uh, Margot Robbie. And yeah. they seemed very, very zen about the entire thing and they're so centered and, and – but it really does take a certain – sort of mentality to be able to carry a picture and say, okay, let's, let's see how this works. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's see how this goes. But yeah. It's, 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 
It's it's wild. It right. takes a certain kind of someone to do that. I think. And so, what is your uh, uh, what is your audition process like now? Is it sort of a? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I got an AK forty six. Fuck you. <laughs> Listen, no, but uh, no, now it's, it's it's so much easier because I don't feel now the pressure of having to, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I feel like casting directors are much kinder than they were. Mm-hmm. They're much more patient. Right. And there is a very small list of people that they call in. So if they call you in, you're really right for the role. Right. And then it's just the look. Right. And that's not your problem. Right, what are you right, gonna right. Do? But, um, you know, half of the time I'll look and I'll see whatever, you know, nowadays I'll see, you know, okay, what is the project? And then I'll put it, I'll I'll go on deadline and see what what they have to say about the project and who's in it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, is there any, okay, is my co-star short? (laughs) I have, I have a, I have a shot at this. Okay. It's great. This is good. You know, but um, it's, it's, um, you know, you, you have to keep all of that in mind when you walk in and, you know, I see people auditioning that I, I'm, I'm just floored that they still audition. It, right. It's unbelievable to me. Yeah. You know, when you see like certain actors, you're like, what the hell are they doing here? They should get offers. No, but some people like just like they have a really good, um, I, I, I was, I had lunch with uh, someone who was a very well-established actor and he's an older gentleman and and, and I he still auditions. Still auditions. Whoa. Because to him, he was like, of course I would. Why wouldn't I? That's my job. And he says he goes and people see him at auditions. And they're like, you audition? And he's like, yeah, this is my job. Um, and so he uh, – ah, fuck it. It's Henry Winkler. I'll tell you. and Because yeah. um, yeah. he would tell you. Right. Uh, but he – but and, and I was so inspired by that because he doesn't have an ego about it. And, right. And – and because we were talking about Barry, and I was like, "Oh, did they offer you?" He's like, "No, I auditioned for you know." And I was like, "Wow, he auditioned for Barry." Yeah, yeah, and he's happy to. And I, I just, oh my god, I would think it would be rude on the producer's part to have him audition. I'd be like, "Oh my god, that's just so rude. Let's not have him. Let's just talk to him." He, he just, he just feels that it's about the work, and that's what you do, and it's a job, and you treat it with respect. And it's like all these things that are so not what. Our egos want us to yeah, do, which is be like, yeah. I am not getting in my car and parking and, you know, just to, if they want to offer, you know, which is a very, I feel like so much of us clamor to get to that point because the process can be so <laughs> dehumanizing. But if you can figure out how to love and embrace the process, as difficult as that may be, then I feel like you're going to do great because that because then you're not getting in your own way. Yeah, it's all anxiety. Yeah. I mean, and it's and it's and, it, and a lot of it is preparation too. I mean, if I get a if I get a call for an audition at like 10 a.m. at eight o'clock the night before, I'll say I I, I don't let me look at the sides. Okay, <laughs> seven pages of a monologue. I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. Yeah. If you know, uh, I'm usually I, I I have to be given like 48 hours to really figure out what this right. person is, and then go in but i mean a lot of the actors that can go and do like three auditions a day that is god bless them yeah exactly but that is not me no, yeah, no i can't no, no, do no. it i can't do it yeah that's why i quit it. well i just i wasn't getting hired a lot as an actor and and so i i sort of realized and it was really nice like many 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 years ago <clears throat> in steve martin's book born standing up he talks about Ooh, i want to oh, i want to i want to read that oh get the audio version because he reads it beautiful and it's so fun to hear him read it <laughs> but he um you know he talks about how 
before he kind of like made his big jump. You know, he would he was sitting in an audition room and he looked around. There was a bunch of dudes who just looked like him, and he kind of went, "You know, I don't think this is going to be my path. This is not going to be because there are people who are really good at that." You know, it's like how many fucking pilots did Matt Perry do before Friends? You know, it's like there are some people who can just kill it in a room, and I I was not that guy, mm-hmm. and so I just had to stop because it was. I was feeling bad about not getting jobs I didn't even want, you know? It's like, right. you'd read this, guy, oh, isn't that funny? And What's they go, the, the they're going a different direction. What? You're like, you didn't even want this. I know, but it still stings. No, it's it's not getting texted from that really ugly chick you took out on a date. Well, the the like, following well, day, she blows you off. She blew me off? Wait a sec, I was lot, supposed to blow yeah, her exactly. off. Yeah, well, a lot of people could become performers to sort of deal with the fact that we were rejected in school. Yeah. And so then we go to a business that's just like fucking school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, no, like it is. Rejecting it's us over and over again. And so it's You're getting just, graded. Yeah, getting graded. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I'm not cool enough to, oh, I'm not popular enough. What the fuck, you know? Yeah. I thought I, I thought, I thought I left all that shit, you know? So it, it really does poke at a lot of insecurities. And so being able to navigate that and do it well is a whole fucking skill set. It really is. And and also, you know, just not, um, you know, the fun part is trying to figure out if it's if it's not if it's not great dialogue or if it's not really well written. That's the fun part where you can kind of figure out how to make it real and work. Right. And and that and the other. But, you know, I don't know. Philip Seymour Hoffman said something and he said, I loved auditions because to me it was just kind of. Testing out to see, t- taste testing if I can play that character. Yeah, I can play that character. I can play that character too. Whether I whether I work with them or not, my job was done after I after see, that's I performed. The, that is a great perspective. It's a to great have. perspective, right? It was that one performance. So hard to get, but that. But I also feel like that's where voiceover training is impeccable because it with voiceover you're trying to find beats that aren't on the page. You're right. you're looking in between stuff yes, to figure yes, out yes. like. How do I – because I think you with, – with a cartoon, you tend to think more one-dimensionally because you go, okay, this is what the character looks like. So they probably they probably sound like this, which informs their personality. So there's probably all these layers, which I think is a lot harder with live action to find those moments. Of course, because you're not given a blueprint. Right. Wouldn't you – I mean, if wouldn't you love to be given like the whole outline of, of what the character should look like? Yeah, if what- you're like a fucking octopus with big teeth, then you – They get- sound like <laughs> – I just got my braces off, guys. Yeah, but uh, yeah, for sure. The live action auditions just go in like, you know, I have a lot of voiceover training, so I wanted to try to bring that to this character. Let's do this. Yeah, do exactly. This. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
Are you working on any cartoon? Are you working on what are you working on in this moment? I'm coming out in Filthy Rich, which is a show on Fox starring Kim Cattrall, and it was uh, created by Tate Taylor. Tate Taylor created or, or directed The Help, mm-hmm. the movie The Help. Yes, and Ma. Yes, and uh, he is. Oh, uh, that Octavia Spencer. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, yes. The psychological thriller. He's Octavia's best friend. Amazing. They're best friends. So. He created this. Now it's it's real. It's like Southern Gothic, really fun. And um, I'm in uh, I'm in that coming out in March on Fox. It's right after the Masked Singer, so that's coming out soon. And good lead in, good lead in. So we're <clears throat> and then we're getting ready for um, for uh, Euphoria. The oh, second you're coming season. back to Euphoria. Great. Euphoria second season. I I think I'm coming back. I just got an email from the uh, wardrobe department asking me if I've gained or lost any weight. (laughs) All right. I think that's a sign I'm coming back. What are they like? You're not coming back. We just wanted to know. We just wanted to know. Yeah, we just want to know if you're okay. Yeah, you're good. You gained or lost any weight. Are you pregnant? Wait a minute. Let's all take it down a notch. Let's oh, not pregnant on. again. Not pregnant again. Is right. one like is one good? Is one good? Have you thought? one and done, baby? One and done. They yeah. are so expensive. I can't. Oh my god, <laughs> they are, He is so expensive. I mean, just just the diapers. Amazon. I mean, I can't. I'm the reason Amazon is. No, I'm not. And the cocaine habit. And the cocaine. Yeah, habit. it's like babies. They just go. They blow through that shit. I mean, it's it's nuts. I yeah, because my wife my wife keeps saying like, oh, two, and I'm like, one is good. And she's like, yeah, but then they'll be able to, and I play with each play other. Play with go, each other? Yeah, but one, like, we can just, like, we could just, you know, like, take a baby and then just travel. And, we, you know, yeah. two is like you're, you know, you're starting to herd cats and I don't know. And if they're two, two completely different personalities, they're not going to hang out with each other. Right, right. And then what do you get? This one likes books. This one likes his TV and his video games. This one wants to be out at well, this party. Well, then, then she the dropped the smart to. bomb on me, which is there's a high occurrence of twins in my family. Oh, okay, good. Oh, man. So, you know, like, we could just knock it out the first time. And then... You know, twins would probably be okay because then they have like that weird twin meld. Oh yeah, and so then they're inseparable. So they're sort of like a person and a half. That's a that it, absolutely they're a person and a half, <laughs> so and it's, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> so if you if you're thinking about fertility, you might have like quadruplets or something. Oh shit! I know. Well, I don't know. I don't think she's going to go on any. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any. Oh, yeah. So good. If, good. if we have quadruplets, then that's nature basically being you in that audition going fuck oh, you. <laughs> so, uh, any parenting advice? Oh, gosh. Parenting advice. Just, you know what? I mean, hey, <clears throat> don't give it alcohol. Oh, oh or, okay. uh, All right. All or right. Maybe a couple of sips here and there, yeah, but you'll yeah, be yeah, fine. You no, rub I it ju- on their gums. They exa- put them to sleep. You know what? It's, it, I, I kid you not. The the crazy thing, the craziest thing about, about being a parent is... Um, is you get it, you're given this keyhole into your childhood, mm-hmm. and and these really wild memories that you forgot that you suppressed mm-hmm. start to happen yeah. as they age. So when I was two and a half years old, I was in this terrible car accident as a kid. Oh my god! And I barely remember it. My kid is two and a half, and I'm starting to get flashbacks of. Of, of the Holy moment. shit. It's crazy. Like, I remember everything now. Everything about that car accident. 
I remember. So the kid just unlocks some deep subconscious vault. That is it, baby. And it's going to happen, if, especially if you have a son. You're oh. not going to believe it. It's, Lydia it's, is it's adamant that we're going to have girls. She's like, we're going to have little girls. Yeah, little girls. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's moments that happen to you that you forgot about in either preschool or kindergarten that were embarrassing moments or what sure. have you. I started to smell this ammonia Mm -hmm. that uh, reminded me, not too long ago, my husband and I were walking, I don't know, we were at a mall or something, and I stopped, and he said, what? And I said, do you smell that ammonia, that scent? And he was like, yeah, yeah, it's it's cleaner. And I said, that that was the the smell of Montessori when I was a little girl. And he was like, I'll be damned, isn't that weird when that happens? I said, yeah. But it's happening more frequently now. Oh wow, that's so, really cool. Yeah, well, you're, you're gonna. That's gonna happen. I look forward to having a lot of uh, emotional breakthroughs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm remembering. Uh, yes. you, know, you may almost must feel like a psychic. Like I, I sense. I sense. I feel like. Well, this... wait, wait till you start playing pretend with them. That's the fun part. Okay. When they, when you, st- when you get to be like little characters, and then it's Batman, Batman, we're Spider Man, we're Spider Man, <laughs> calling all cars, calling all cars. It's <laughs> <That's> the best. <clears throat> It is so much fun. So do you think your kid's going to be a performer? You know, it's funny. I um, I, I can't – I'm not going to lie. I, I, we're, we're looking for those little signs here and there. He loves attention. He's very textbook. Uh-huh. He started walking. It was like, you know, I had this little book and it said, you know, this week your child will probably will be walking. And he walked right into the room. I was like, oh, there, there you go. <laughs> You know, I mean, this week he'll, he will be talking. He's like, Mom, look at the cars. Oh, there he goes. All right, there he is. So um, he's very textbook. I still don't know yet. He's very rambunctious and fun and really having um, – very social mm-hmm. and tender. So let's see what that manifests into. Who knows? But, God, I hope he's not an actor. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> I hope he's not an actor. You need to – basically just – you need to start training him now. So just to give him some sides and have him walk into your room and then yeah. just – mm-hmm. Thank you. We'll let you know. Like, we'll let you yeah, yeah. Well, if you give a good performance, That's mommy good. will love you. So I saw what you were trying to do. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. But like, yeah. Ew. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> good kid. You're learning <laughs> now. You're learning. Talking. Oh my god, man! It's so good to see you, and I. Uh, this great is to so, see you, this man. This is so much fun. Oh and, my god! And, and just like reminiscing about these all these great people in our, you know, who are in our. When did you know you wanted to start? Oh, I mean, I immediately, like, my, um, I was born in 71, and then when SNL started, I mean, I was probably five or six, Mm -hmm. and my parents noticed that I was transfixed by it, and so they, and then Steve Martin started coming on that show, and then he was releasing comedy albums, and so they just started buying, and by the way, my parents weren't, I, I, they weren't really into that. Like, it wasn't, like, they were funny people, but their comic sensibilities, like, their pop culture sensibilities were different. But whatever it was about them, they recognized that I was into it, so How they fed sweet. it. And then it just so happened that in the 80s there was this stand-up comedy boom, and I watched every, you know, like, the, and they just, my dad would tape, you know, like, and I was, God, I mean, I was like 10 or 11, and he would, you know, tape, videotape, like a Richard Pryor special and be like, here you go. And so they, um, you know, like they had, I had a little VCR in my room. And so they would give me comedy tapes and, and buy albums that and cassette tapes thing. and stuff. And so, yeah, so that was the thing. So I knew, I, I was so connected to that. So I knew that I wanted to be a performer, but I didn't. Even though I did stand up a little bit in college, it wasn't until I was 28. I was so terrified to like really do it. Yeah. So I didn't start until I was 28. 
Um, and so, you know, I kind of wish I had started younger, but whatever, you know, like it, it happened the way it happened, but I... Oh, I think it's cool that you started at 28 because 28, you, you really have so much more, uh, juice to your material. Um, sometimes watching really young stand-up comics when I'm, you know, if I'm at the improv or if I, I'm at the Laugh Factory, I'm like, oh, their, their comedy is just so young. But it's young. Let's give them a couple of years. Give them a couple, yeah. You know, to marry that back in the oven. Well, but I, but, but I, but I started, then, but I started working for MTV like right out of college. I left college to go work for MTV, so I had like a television job. Yeah. But then when the television job ended and there were no other offers coming in, I was like, well, I, I think now is the time I can focus on stand up and so that's what I did it was but it was I was so scared to do it but you know cuz I cuz I just I was it, I had so much reverence for it right and I just didn't know if I was that you know, like, well, I can't be like Steve Martin. I don't write that way. The monster was inaccessible. It was on a pedestal. It was too far away. And I didn't write, like, all my favorite comics, like, you know, Steve Martin or Emo Phillips or, you know, Sam Kinison or Seinfeld. Like, I just didn't – or Judy Tenuta was someone that I loved. And I didn't write like any of them. I yeah. didn't write – like, there were a lot of really funny sort of surrealist comics, the, the, the Stephen Wrights and, and the, the Mitch and, you know – and I always wanted to write that way, but I don't. And it right. fucking drives me nuts. Well, yeah. It, it, yeah it, I mean, the knack. To have the knack of that kind of – that skill. I mean, uh, I worked with uh, Kevin Hart yep. one time. Um, we did a pilot together and and bless that guy. He was just constantly coming up with material. I mean, it was uh, – and he was the, – the energy that it took to be Kevin Hart – I mean, it was unbelievable to me. It was like if Jerry Lewis and Alec Baldwin and Bugs Bunny had a threesome, <laughs> Kevin Hart would be the, the fucking offspring. Someone needs to animate that. <laughs> there you go. But, I mean, he was just so on all the time. And I thought, you know, it, it's it's just that, that brain would not stop. Right. And I'm like, I, I, I'll bet he's up really late at night just working on things all the time. It's a Joan Rivers sort of, it's yeah. an obsession. Yes, yes, yes. But, it, you know, and I, I've, I've, I've had this conversation about Joan many times because I'm fascinated by it. Be, yeah. But it kept her youthful. Yes. Like that, in as much as she might have been sort of tortured by that, it kept her alive and youthful and performing until Absolutely. until the day she you know died unnaturally, um, and so it, it it there is that kind of thing, and because a lot of comics will start to get comfortable as they get older, and then you know it's like it just becomes harder to do comedy because you're like it's nice to be at home and the grind, yeah, and I don't a little know, complacent. Yeah, 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 no, it's very, it's very easy to do that, especially if the climb was tough. And then you're finally there and you're like, okay, now I can Now sleep. I can find – oh, God, now I'm old. Yeah, What's yeah. funny now? What's funny now? I don't know. I don't know what's funny anymore. It's the same thing my husband. You know, my husband is uh, a music producer and he, he was just like, you have to remain uh, relevant. Right. And current. And he was like with every – you know, from, from all of the, you know uh, – you know, it, it's not about knowing Billie Eilish. It's knowing all the ten other kids that are underneath Billie Eilish, Irish that are uh, Eilish that are unknown. But that takes that. But what that takes is like a hunger, hunger, and hunger takes uh, uh, like curiosity. It takes a lot of energy to stay hungry. And when you're young, it's easy because you're all, you you're looking around. All you, of those you have a ton of energy. So fresh. Yeah, they're so fresh. And then it's like at a certain point, you're like. You're not that hungry. I don't know. What am I? You know. So yeah, it's true. So how do you how do you keep how do you keep 
keep the process fresh for you so that it's still enticing. Well, it's it's if every single role is different. So that's I think the 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 start of me getting excited about something yeah. new and interesting. And as I've gotten older, the parts are getting more interesting. Yeah. So, you know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, it was always the best friend and or, you know, the I, I don't know, the girl going, yeah, you should call him back. Go, right. girl. You know, that sort of a thing. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to gouge my eyeballs out if right. I'm in my 30s and 40s and I'm still playing these freaking characters. <laughs> oh, my God. What, what, there's no growth here. Right. So finally, you know, as you, as you get into your late 30s and 40s, you know, the roles are much more interesting. They're more developed. They're layered. They're written by older people. Right. So when you're <clears> – <throat> so I get excited about, right. you know, these, these – the stuff that comes in. Right. The, char- the, the, the parts are much more interesting. It took a lot for me to get to muster up the courage to go on this the stuff that I knew I was wrong for in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! But that's why I think that you, I mean, and you're already like you're already you're you're already doing such great stuff. I I just think at a certain point there's gonna be. I mean, like you were in Bombshell. Like you're gonna <coughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be in something, and then people are like, "Holy shit!" And it's and That'd it's be gonna be the sum total of just decades of work, you know. Like, it, but and and then there are gonna be some people who are gonna be like, "Oh my god, she's like an overnight success," and they go back and they go, "Oh my god, no, she's been in Hell all these things." Oh no, yeah, it's been in all. That's one old bitch. <laughs> It's it's still a lot of fun now. Exactly, tell me exactly what happened to this little bear here. Oh, the Teddy Ruxpin. This Teddy Ruxpin. It is a Teddy Ruxpin. So oh my gosh! It was a, it was a gift from my wife, and we oh like, my god, it's brilliant. We like a lot of you know, like we like a lot of weird stuff, fun stuff, fun stuff. And so there's a company that um, oh, I got to remember the name of them so I can. Did she call oh, them and say make them look crazy? It's called and blood, blood and Teeth. And so they basically oh they f up old school they fuck up old school stuff and they make them sort of look like horror you know like like horror movie type oh stuff. Oh my so they, god! They, they kind of like melted down parts of this Teddy Ruxpin and sort of made him look like a Terminator in Act Three. Oh my where god! He's, that's you know like super, super fucked up and they hang some wires and stuff and so it, it yeah so that that's where that came from yeah oh blood blood and teeth. God, and that's teeth amazing! So, oh wow! Yeah, so this is a, this is a gift from my the gift from my wife. My, Lydia's great because she she loves to give presents and she's very bad at keeping surprises. So she'll go, I got you something. Even like a week before Valentine's Day, I got you something. Oh, that's really sweet. Do you want me to tell you what it is? No, because it's not Valentine's Day. Why can't, don't you want to, yeah, no, I want to wait. Right, 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 so, right. Uh, might be you know, oh so my that's God, that. that's great. What are you doing for Valentine's Day? We are not, um, uh, we're not, we're not going out anywhere. Like we love staying home and we ha- we've had a very busy. But sees candies and cysts. Very <laughs> And Nordstrom insists. (laughs) We've had a very busy social couple weeks, but we also – she made an interesting point last night. She's like, you know, we always make a point to have date nights every week and and go out. So she's So she's like – so she goes, if it's okay with you, can we just stay in because everything's going to be super crowded for all the people who don't take the time to have date nights every week. And then they, they just like throw all their chips on Valentine's Day and I go, y'all do whatever you want. That sounds great. You're not going to – I'm not 
you're not you don't have to force me to stay at home. Like that's fucking great. Right, right. So right, we're just right, gonna right. stay in and probably watch. We we started watching uh, Lock and Key, which is a Netflix series by Joe Hill that's based on a comic book that I loved, and so we'll probably just keep watching that. Oh, that's awesome. What are you gonna do? Oh, I we're I'm taking my my boys to Volta. Oh, to nice. The Cirque du Soleil thing. Nice. Free tickets. Ooh! Nice. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the theme of this one? I don't know. It's it's. Uh, I think the theme is, is it electric. Uh, Volta sounds uh, electric. What is it? Bikes. Oh, bikes! Oh, my kid is gonna go crazy. I hope it's like BMX bikes, like in the 80s when the yeah, yeah when people well, maybe would do. I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Is it, it, yeah. is it BMX bikes or is it like it like hipster penny farthing bikes? That's Are they right. doing stuff on like bi- like the big front wheel with the tiny back wheel? Well, it's like it's normal stuff. Oh, wow. BMX bikes. Oh, shit. There really is. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Ramps and flips and oh, jumps. My, my kid is going to freak out. Anyway, that, so that's what we're doing tonight. That sounds really nice. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's it's going to be at the Dodger Stadium, the parking, everything is going to be a big pain in the ass, going to be a stroller, all that shit. But I'm, but I'm willing to do it. Thank you so much. This was Thank so much you. fun. This was a blast. The end. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win $200 million. Thousands, not millions. $200,000. Because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The Goat, premiering on Freebie and Prime Video on May 9th.